Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well and that you're still alive and you floated here or you drove here, regardless of how you came today. I'm so thankful that you're, you've come here to Graceland on this day as we continue our series, Beyond Me. Now, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our Easter weekend, uh, four Easter weekend services. We had over 2,445 people here at Graceland Baptist Church, which is, yes, it's so great to celebrate that. But even more so, we saw 314 people transformed by the power of God in their life. And that, my friends, is something we can celebrate today, right? Don't discount the fact, friends, that you are there on purpose for a purpose. That he created you for a purpose, God did, and that you have a purpose in your life. And it's not by accident that you live where you live, or you work where you do, or you go to school where you do, or you know the people that you do. Because let me tell you... An invite can literally change a person's life, just as we saw just a few weeks ago. And we continue to see the growth at Graceland, so do not discount that. So give somebody a call. You know, grab your phone, not now, but later, and text them or give them a phone call. You know, in just a few weeks we have Mother's Day, and my wife's going to be sharing. And it's a great opportunity to come and celebrate, not just for moms, okay, but for all women. We're going to celebrate that in an unbelievable way. So give them a text. Shoot them a call. Say, hey, let me invite you out to coffee. And, and say, would you come with me to church on Sunday. You know, these cell phones, they have revolutionized our lives in many ways. You know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, the only thing we had were bag phones, and they, they were in cars, and they were huge, right? I mean, they were like the size of a microwave, and we didn't take them everywhere. Now, we, we won't leave home without them, will we? They, they go everywhere with us, and, and sometimes we forget to turn them off. I was doing a funeral, and I was in the middle of the saddest part of the funeral. And some guy's phone, he had a ringtone of Eye of the Tiger, started blasting in the middle of the funeral. And you should have seen the angry stares as he fumbled to try to turn off his cell phone. But these things are amazing. I mean, they, they, we can talk on the phone with them. Uh, we can, it, they record voicemails. They have applications far and wide that do all kinds of unbelievable things. I mean, the technology is unbelievable. But here's the thing, a cell phone is not worth its weight if it's not charged, right? If it's dead, it's useless. So here's what we do. We will go to great lengths to make sure it's charged all through the night or whatever our night looks like so that the next day it is fully charged and fully ready to go. Now, now the reason why I share that with you is that when you become a, a follower of Jesus Christ, when your life is transformed by the gospel, what begins to happen, God gives us the most unbelievable gift, and that is that he indwells us with his spirit within each and every one of us. And that the spirit of God, what he does is he takes the old me and he throws it away and he brings a new me into existence. And he indwells us and he gives us the power to live beyond the old me type of living. And this kind of living is what he said in John chapter 10 verse 10, that he'll have abundant life, life to the very full, Zoe kind of life. You know, in 2 Peter, it says this, Chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we have need for life and godliness. But God just doesn't just forgive your sin and then just let you go. He doesn't just leave you in a vacuum. But what he does is he fills the vacuum with this power of his spirit, the spirit of God. 
You know, and when I talk about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God, some of you cringe. Some of you get a little nervous. Who is this Spirit that he's talking about? Is this like the Holy Ghost? Because, you know, in the 80s, the only ghost we heard was or the Ghostbusters, right? And different things like that. But what I'm talking about is the Spirit of God and what he promises to us. You know, it'd be, it'd be crazy for me to have this cell phone fully charged and for me to go throughout the day kind of like, hey man, sorry that I didn't respond to your text, my phone's dead. Hey, I, I'm sorry that I couldn't get to your house, I know it's, it, it's, it's a new address, but my GPS on my phone, I couldn't use it because my phone's dead. Or sorry mom, I uh, couldn't call you on your birthday because my phone's dead. When in reality, it's fully charged and it's fully ready to go. Like a fully charged cell phone, this is where we are when we are a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's, it, there's many examples of this. Joshua, in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Joshua, he's given a task. He's the heir apparent to Moses, he's, who is the, the legend of all legends. I mean, who else would have led millions of people away from captivity? He's got to replace this guy of all guys. And he's been tasked with, he's got to cross a river that no one's crossed, and he's got to face a, a, an enemy that no one has seemingly defeated because of their high walls. And that's why God says directly to Joshua, he says, look, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Joshua, pay attention to what you're thinking. And here's why he says that. Because God knows that whatever happens here translates into reality. Whatever happens right here, it flows into our emotions, our feelings, and then it flows right into our very actions. To help you understand this a little bit better, I thought I could draw you a picture because I know that many of you love my pictures each and every week so much. I say that tongue-in-cheek because some of you all the time make fun of my, t of my drawings because that's, and that's why I still do it, okay? So, no, I'm just kidding, but um, to help you understand this a little bit better, that w the mind is a very powerful part of beyond me living, and, and God knows this. And out of the mind flows our feelings. Okay? And out of our feelings flows our actions. And we know this to be true, and here's how we know this to be true. Positive people think positive thoughts. Gloomy people think gloomy thoughts. Anxious people think anxious thoughts. Eeyore people think Eeyore thoughts, right? This is, a, this is, this is, a, this is just the way of our life, this, and this God knows this. You see, Joshua thought it was the river and it was the city, that was his problem. But God knew it wasn't either of those things because you know what? You're always going to have walls. You're always going to have rivers to cross. What the real problem was is right between the ears. And because Joshua had one of these and because all of us in this space have one of these, we're all on the same page together and it impacts every single one of us. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to dive into a section of scripture that I believe that is for us today and it's found in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. And I love to hear the, the pages of scripture turning. It's one of my favorite sounds in this room. So would you turn with me to Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. If you have a phone or tablet, you can turn there. And there's a Bible that's in front of you. Utilize that Bible that's in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home. It's our gift to you. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. 
And it says this, Paul, he knows this about the mind, and so he says, therefore, anytime there's a therefore, we have to take note of what's next. Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Then he says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your very mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, what does this all mean? What it has to do with our mind, which in turn moves to our feelings, which, move, which moves to our actions, which has everything to do with a beyond me type of living. Well, let's go through it together. Ta Paul would say, look, the, the term conformed, in the Greek, it's the word for being stamped with a design. And Paul, he, he's using a, a passive word, this word conformed. And a passive word is used here to indicate something to us. And that is to indicate that if we don't battle against it, it will stamp us out every time. Then he uses the phrase, this age. And it's a reference to the cultural mindset of their time. And it's the same cultural mindset then as it is now. Even though he's speaking to Romans, he's speaking to us Americans right here in the 21st century. And here's what he is trying to say. Look, the mindset has always been and always will be, look, if you want to get somewhere, go get it. If you want something, go take it. If you want a person or a possession or a partner, if you want power, go take it. It's yours. People are pawns for your very liking. Do whatever you want with whom you want whenever you want. No doubt about it that culture will define you if you do not define culture this age, he says. But then he goes from kind of a negative standpoint to a positive standpoint. Look at it with me. He says, do not be conformed to this age. What's the next word? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed is one of my favorite words in the entire Bible. Here's why. Because this word has unbelievable implications for our life. This word uh, transform is, is the word metamorpho which in the Greek, it means this revolution, this, well, it was actually used only one other time in the New Testament. It's when the transfiguration happened in the New Testament. And it's where we get our word metamorphosis. The metamorphosis, right, from the, from the tadpole to the frog, from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Let me ask you this. What stage of the transformation process are you in? Are you a larva, or are you a child, are you a teenager, are you an adult, full-fledged butterfly? Paul, Paul uses another part of this language, which is just so critical. If you look at it with me again, he, when he says this, he, he, <clears throat> he uses the present tense. And the present tense indicates this, that it has, it's just not a, you're not a one-hit wonder. You're not a one-trick pony. You're not just one and done and you're gone. No matter how old you are. No, whether you're five or you're 95 in this room, he uses the present tense to say, you know what? It's a continuous process. And that's why the, the logo of our church, if you didn't notice, it's a G with this, this pervading circle. It's the mark of transformation. You're never done. We have a saying here at Graceland that if you're not dead, you're not, if you're not dead, you're not done. And that's exactly right. So no matter how many years you've been following Jesus or you just started following Jesus, it's a continual state of transformation in your very life. And in fact, this word is the center point of our vision at Graceland. And here's why. 
Because Paul's not only using the present tense here, but he's also using a verb that is imperative. Now here, let me explain to you what that means. A verb that is imperative means that the Spirit of God is doing the work, but it takes our cooperation. And what that means for us is that we dream of this community, this church being a place where lives are transformed. Where? In our neighborhoods. Where? In the next generation. Where? In the nations. And how do we do it? Through our transformational process. We gather around the gospel. We grow in the gospel. And we go because of the gospel. We unleash the compassion of Jesus Christ. And we share the very story of Jesus and how his transformation impacted us and the gospel changed our life. And then Paul continues. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that mind. There, there's the center point of what we're talking about this morning. And why do we need to renew our mind? Well, here's why. Because our mind's fallen. Our mind is hostile to the things of God. Set on itself, the mind is going to do its own agenda. Here's a great example. Do you know why we have terrorist plots? Do you know why we have scams? Do you know why there's abuse? Do you know why all these horrific things in the world happen? You know why? Because our minds are fallen and depraved and we need the renewal of our minds. Paul says that's why we need the renewal of them. And there's only one other time that Paul uses this word renewal. And it's in Titus 3.5. It says, God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Paul knows, look, the Spirit of God is going to bring about beyond me living in your life. And here's why. Because sin has, like a river forging through a gorge, has created these canyons. And it's strong and it's... And it, and it's pervasive. But the Spirit of God, the strongest of all rivers, as we talked about last week, right? It forges new rivers through new gorges and canyons. And these, this unbelievable work begins to work in our life. And transformation happens. Now, all that's great. But how does this play out in our life today, right now? I want to give you three things. How that you and I, we can cooperate with the Spirit of God in our life so that our, our minds are renewed. Three things. So if you're taking notes, here's the first one. Fix your mind. To fix your mind. See, whatever our mind is fixated on, it drastically shapes our experience. This week I ran across the diary of a dog and a cat. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but I found this quite interesting and illustrates my point. The diary of a dog and a cat. We first start with a dog's diary. Let's just go through it together. The dog writes down at 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wa wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. And then 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. That's a dog's diary. Here's a cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. 
The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. <laughs> this is proof right here that cats are heathen and dogs are always going to heaven, okay? <laughs> I got applause, wow. Don't send me emails, cat lovers, okay? Please don't. I put a filter this week. Anything that says cats, it's just going to spam, okay? But on a serious note, though, that, that when our, our fixation on our experience it changes our experience, same exact circumstances, different experience. See that? But not only the case when we fix our mind that our fixation is directly tied to our future. That you, you sh- I show you a fixation and I'll show you a future many times, directly tied together. Paul would say it in Philippians 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about what? Such things. Fix your mind upon them. And maybe, possibly, your your future will be tied directly to it. If I could uh, illustrate to you this way... that you have your mind right here in the middle. And if your mind is fixed upon God and the things of God and the Spirit of God, what will flow out of that is life. It'll also, beyond me, Living, BML, right? These are the things that flow. Out of the fixation comes your future. But, my friends, but if your mind is fixated on the things of the flesh, the things that that your mind uh, intrinsically is thinking, what is going to flow out of it is death. Why death? Because what brings death? Sin brings death. And that's why I I say your fixation is directly tied to your future. You see what Paul's doing there. He goes on to say it. I mean, it's it's not just once in Scripture. He goes on to say it in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. I was preparing for a, a really large weekend here at Graceland, and I was all revved up. I was ready to go. I was locked and loaded and I got this email and it was seething with anger and bitterness and accusations and I mean all of these falsehoods it was long I mean somebody had written it and rewritten it and written it again I could tell and I'll just be honest with you I mean it just it just punched me in the gut I felt I felt discouraged I wanted to quit I, I felt hopeless I didn't want to go through the weekend. I was like, they're just, man, just cancel it. Put it, tur- shut it all down, you know. And then after that came feelings of anger and bitterness and resentment. Well, that's one way to deal with an email. A seething email like that, because right, right after all, perception is reality, right? All those things were false, but yet this is what they accused me of. But the other way to... To, to deal with a, an email like that that is so negative is to fix upon the things of God. And when you fix your, th- your mind upon the things of God, it's going to change the way that you look at that very email, isn't it? That's why God told Joshua, look, be strong and, 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 and be courageous. Why? Because I'm going to be with you. 
Fix your, your mind on me, Joshua. The second thing, the way we're able to uh, renew our mind, number two, is to turn down our mind. Write that down. Turn down your mind. I've been researching this last week, and I, I reread the book Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Great book. And he writes this, Multitasking has become the norm. When was the last time you had an uninterrupted conversation with anyone? No phones, text messages, or to-do lists running through your mind. It's so rare nowadays to be able to look someone in the eye without interruption or distraction. He says, I have, the, I have lost the art of focusing on one thing. But it's quite the contrast to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. He, he was able to turn down his mind. We have to understand how to turn down our mind if we're going to renew our mind. If the Spirit of God is going to forge new canyons, and it's going to move us beyond the me that we currently are. Reminds me of the story of a married couple who they're celebrating 40 years of marriage. 40 years! Awesome milestone. And they have this big party, and they get this one card. And it's unique out of all the other cards. And on the front, it says this, Congratulations on your 40 years of faithfulness to one another, God. Oh, so they open it up, and, and it says, Since you've been faithful for 40 years, I will grant you one prayer request, one uh, thing that you would like and desire. So they look at each other like, is this real? And so the, the wife goes, well, let's try it out. And she says, uh, you know what? I pray, I wish that we will have two tickets to the Caribbean to celebrate our anniversary. And poof, on the table, right there, two tickets. So his husband, the husband is excited. He goes, yes, I pray that I would have a wife 30 years younger than me. And poof, he's 90 years old. I thought that was funny. I don't know why. I just. <laughs> but, but the good news is this, that when we begin to turn down our mind, the Spirit of God can be sensed, and the Spirit of God can be known, and the Spirit of God can be heard. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. The three things that has been said of Americans is that we love size, noise, and speed. And the Spirit of God reminds us to turn down the size, the, the noise, and the speed at times. It reminds us to shut the phone down. It reminds us to turn the TV off. It reminds us to close the computer. It reminds us that all of a sudden, in the middle of all the chaos, the Spirit speaks the, maybe the best when our minds have been turned down. You know, one of the greatest places that I experience um, my mind being turned down, it's in the nature, it's in creation. It's in hiking. It's, it's, it's in hunting. It's in just a, a simple fire pit moment. And there I pray and I pray and I pray. And, and there I can hear God clearly speak maybe even the most. I was just telling someone just a, little, a few minutes ago that it, it's there in nature that my mind that never stops, that wakes me up in the middle of the night many times. I can, sometimes I can only sleep four hours a because my mind is just reeling. I don't know if you struggle with this as well. Mine, all of a sudden when I'm in an area like nature, it just crystallizes and all of a sudden my mind has been turned down. Maybe you need to do the same thing. You need to shut things down every once in a while so that you can, my friend, renew your mind. So to renew your mind, number one is to what? 
Number two? Yeah. And, and, and number three, one last one, it's to feed your mind. It's to feed your mind. And here's how you feed your mind. You feed your mind on the supernatural word of God. That I pray every, every Sunday that I will hide behind this. That I will speak this. That I will preach this. But more importantly, that I'll feed my mind with this. And that I'll feed your mind with this. That there'll be green grass for you to munch upon. Because why? Because the, the, the supernatural word of God is breathing and moving. We shall feed our mind upon it. Our dog, Buck, he's a chocolate lab. When he was a puppy, he had a really bad reaction to the food we were giving him. So we tried several different kinds of food. Finally, we found the food that met his stomach where it was needed to be, and it was a good day for us and him, if you know what I mean, okay? And let me tell you that the Word of God is the perfect food for your brain. That within its pages of Scripture, that these are the pages that speak truth and life, and life that is transforming in your very soul. There's a, a popular psychology out there, and it's actually called an, an Adlerian psychology. And basically the theory by Adler, who founded this type of psychology, is this, that if you will think positive thoughts from yourself, you will become positive. In other words, if you conjure up positive things, then you will become a positive person. But, but I would ask you this. Do our, do our New Year resolutions, are you still, have you kept them to this day? Uh, can you actually just, out of your own will, transform your own life? My, my assumption would be, no, it will not. But when you feed your mind things from somebody else, not of yourself, that is from God, the truth of God, the very strength of God, the very power of God, it transforms your very life. And all of a sudden what you find is this beyond me type of living. When, when, you, when you look at the pages of Scripture, when you, when you read about the, the truth that, and you meditate upon it, why do you meditate upon it? Well, because it, it's life and it fuels you and it, it's like protein for your soul. It grows you. How many of you, if I had a show of hands, you would all say, yes, I agree with this, Ray. And we read a, a, a scripture like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that we are the masterpiece of God. And many of us would be like, well, yeah, I agree with that. But do we really believe that? Is it transforming our life? Let me ask you a different way. Do we worry less? Do we have less anxiety? Are we any different than the people that we work with? Are we different than the people that are in our own neighborhood? And if, that's the, if, if, if we're not different, then what's the problem? What are we feeding our mind? I read a stat this week. This is a true statistic. That the, the, the average person who has one Bible owns nine Bibles. Nine. So the problem isn't that we don't have the right tools. The problem is that we aren't utilizing the tools that we have been given right here in front of us. And I think that Psalm chapter 1 has a very, very, very incredible truth for us to learn. Look at it with me in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. What is that word? Meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, 
bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never never wither, and they prosper in all they do. You know what it looks like to meditate? You know what a really great picture is? It's my dog, Buck. There's one thing he focuses on more than anything else, and it's a tennis ball. I mean, let me tell you, folks, you put a tennis ball in front of that dog, he will move his eyes wherever you, I mean, I've gone like this for one minute straight, and he just goes like this. Here's the other thing about he does. He gets this tennis ball, and he hides it under the couch, and you get it, and he'll do that with you for hours until you get, you get tired. He'll wear you out. He will wear you out throwing the tennis ball. He will bury the tennis ball, and then months later, he will bring it back out again. Why? Because he is meditating on where it is, when it is, how it is, and he will focus on it all the time. And that's exactly what the psalmist is talking about. To meditate on it is to fixate upon it, to put your focus on it, to, to give it all you got, to feed your mind with it on an ongoing going basis. But how do you do that? How do you just practically do that? Well, at Graceland, we have a, a simple acronym that helps us feed our, our, our mind. I'd love for you to write this down, and it's really the word SOAP. The word SOAP, and it's an acronym, and it starts with S. And the S stands for Scripture. You know, it, Scripture was written thousands of years ago, but you know what? It's still active, it's still living, and it's still supernatural in our life today. You know, we go to sporting events, and we're really excited. We go to concerts, and we are just just so excited. We go to some event, or we go to some thing, and, and we have expectations of that thing being an unbelievable experience for us. But when we sit down to read Scripture, do we have the same expectation that it's going to speak to us, that it's going to transform our life, that it has something to say to us in this very moment? Many times, I, I don't think that, that I do. And I wonder, do you do? So we begin with Scripture, and then the O stands for to observe. And to observe is simply to paint a picture of what is going on. And, and we ask several of the, 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 the fact-finding questions, right? Well, who is talking? What is being spoken about? Where are they? When are they? What is being said? What is happening? And then as you begin to unpack this, then you ask maybe the, some of the three C's. That you begin to ask, okay, what's the context of this? And what's the cultural a- aspect of what's going on? What's happened before this? What's happened after this? And then what's compared? Okay, so this is what it's talking about. Scripture does not ever, right? It does never speak against another part of Scripture. It's an errand. It's always in agreement with each other. So comparatively speaking, does this make sense? And then after the O, you move to application. You begin to ask, okay, how does this apply to my life right now in this moment? How does this speak into my experience, my reality? How do I feed this into my life? Listen, friends, if you don't, if you skip this part, my friends, you are like an overweight person at a large buffet. You're just getting you're just getting more and more and more obese, and you're never utilizing the food that you're, that you're actually taking to give you energy to move, to be active, to stay, to stay involved. See, God didn't say, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go out, and I want you to learn all about the Bible. And then he went up to heaven. What did he say? Go and make disciples. The Great Commission, to see lives transformed by the gospel. Friends, it's not about knowing everything that the Bible has to say, but it's also about applying it to our very lives. My mentor in seminary said this to me. He said, Ray, to know the Bible and not be changed by it is like not knowing it at all. 
And then finally, the P is for prayer. That we would ask God, God, would you, pray, would you transform my mind? Would you take what you just taught me? Would you begin to move in my life? Would you begin to transform me into the person that you want to be? And then we get to the end of verse 2 in chapter 12. And, and Paul, he, he, he says this, So that you may discern what is the good, look at it with me, pleasing and perfect will of God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, to be transformed, to, to look more and more and more like God is to look more and more like Jesus. And as we look more and more like Jesus, to, to move beyond the, the old me and into the, the new me, to look and, and know the beyond me type of living, it looks like knowing and being changed by the Spirit of God to look more and more like the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we begin to do that, the, 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 the characteristics of this kind of life is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, as we looked at last week. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control through the renewing of our mind that the truth would transform our very being and that all of a sudden we begin to grow and change. And I, I want you to understand what this looks like for your life. So I want you to watch this and see how this speaks to you. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but... When I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies, you're so afraid of confrontation, you're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here and then you come back and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, no, chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. Mm. This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. Oh, this, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom, 
Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is this scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't, I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I wanna show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh yeah. Go ahead, read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece.